KNST AM 790 Tucson's most stimulating talk. Three things I think you need to know. Number one, Tucson City Council votes to put the Sanctuary City Initiative on the ballot. Said we had no option. We had to. They had enough signatures. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Second thing I think you need to know, Wacko Group Center for Biological Diversity asked a judge to stop the building of the border wall. They're right here in Tucson. They're the ones doing it now because they're scared Trump actually got the go-ahead from the Supreme Court to use Department of Defense money. Yeah, the excuses they give are pathetic. Third thing I think you need to know, creepy Joe Biden going to Iowa this afternoon giving a speech. Axios reports, Axios reports he's going to uh, blame Trump for the mass shootings. Mass shootings that happened over the weekend. Classy. Three things I think you need to know. And you notice that uh, the media is not really putting too much stock into the whole Dayton thing because all of a sudden that guy's a wacko leftist. And uh, everybody that knows him is coming out saying, we warned everybody. He was, he was messed up. He was mentally ill. Threatening people for years. Years! So all of a sudden doesn't fit the narrative. So like El Paso. Meanwhile, the El Paso Manifesto... He says, don't blame Trump for this. I had these ideas way before Trump. And was he really a white supremacist? Again, I talked about it yesterday. And he said in his manifesto, he wrote down that it's horrific to kill and deport non-whites because they've done a great job building this country, too. He doesn't like the new crop of illegals coming across the border. Listen, the guy's a wacko. So uh, there's a very smart guy, spent 30 years in the FBI. Uh, he's now a professor at Embry-Riddle up in the Phoenix area. Uh, Steve Hooper, his, he has a company, uh, TripwireSecuritySolutions.com, helping companies, we'll find out more, but helping companies uh, prepare, make sure they're prepared for any kind of attack, to witness these things, to know, to know how to handle it, all that stuff. But he actually, if I'm getting this correct, Steve Hooper actually uh, infiltrated white supremacist groups. We're going to talk to all to him about all this stuff. Steve, thank you for joining us this morning. I appreciate it. How you doing, man? I'm good, Garrett. How are you this morning? All right. So, uh, first off, again, yeah, yeah, just just on your background a little bit, if you can explain, because uh, we were talking yesterday, you actually infiltrated white supremacist groups when you were an FBI agent, huh? Well, um, I worked in Washington, D.C. for 21 years uh, in my uh, bureau career and, and was assigned to the Domestic Terrorism Task Force in Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, every every domestic terrorist group, um, or subversive group, or however you want to define them, makes their way to D.C. at some point, because that's the uh, the place to be to to scream and yell and and so forth. So, I had the uh, uh, benefit of being able to walk among them and and go down and talk to them and see them face to face and get a good feel for uh, what these groups are all about. Okay, so uh, the media is losing its mind. The Democrats are losing its mind. It's like they're just desperate. They want to. They, they've lost the Russia hoax. They just want to convince people that this was a white supremacist action after we found out, again, in Dayton, the guy was actually a big-time lefty, loved Antifa. Um, uh, and his friends were saying he's mentally ill. There was no racist anything. Even CNN was forced to report. Uh, law enforcement says they collected a whole bunch of stuff, nothing to do with race or politics. And then the other guy um, in El Paso, who's still alive, we were talking about this. Explain how, in your mind, again, he doesn't really fit the whole white supremacist, I guess, stereotype. Right. So from the FBI's perspective in a domestic joint terrorism task force, um, most of the, if not all of the targets, whether they're international or domestic, are connected to a designated 
domestic terrorist group. And certainly skinheads and uh, sovereign citizens and, and different groups um, around the country are on the FBI's domestic terrorism list. And so their targets for their investigations generally center on the, the groups that are active and are growing or uh, are recruiting and trying to, and, and otherwise committing crimes to support their cause. So you have the new Black Panther Party, you have sovereign citizens. Those are two of the uh, top ones nationwide. Um, sovereign citizens are involved in a lot of financial crimes. Their big thing is uh, not, uh, they don't support the banking industry. You shouldn't have to have a social security number to live in the United States. And have they committed violence? Yeah, I mean, uh, in 2010, the King brothers shot and killed the uh, police officers down in Arkansas when they were stopped because they didn't recognize them as legitimate uh, um, government uh, forces. And so uh, they, there's there's uh, pockets of violence. When it comes to the quote-unquote white supremacist movement, again, from the FBI's perspective and a domestic terrorist group, the this these shooters over the weekend, they, they weren't connected to any group. They didn't support a white supremacist ideology um, based on some of the things you even just said about the fact that uh, he made positive comments about the benefits of uh, immigrants making it to the United States. That that would not fly in the white supremacist world. So, uh, I mean, as an FBI agent, I'm assuming there are FBI agents that, that brief members of Congress and things like that. They don't listen, do they? They're just going to run with this for political purposes, huh? Yeah, you know, it's uh, um, I, I the, the term racist has been thrown around so much. I think it gets watered down, and uh, now they're lumping in white supremacist with racist, which again is two different uh, two different mindsets, two different ideologies. Um, someone can be a, a, a racist, but not a white supremacist, and so forth, and. I think that they're volatile words that are being used for lots of reasons, um, but many times lately not being used in the appropriate or uh, the most accurate sense. Stephen Hooper is a retired FBI agent, 30 years, uh, Secret Service as well. Uh, he's on KNST AIM 790, owns a uh, business up in the Phoenix area. TripwireSecuritySolutions.com is the website. Helping out your business, being uh, prepared for, uh, I guess, any threats that 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 come your way. Um, so we were talking yesterday on the phone, and um, and and you explained that white supremacists generally don't get violent like these shooters, right? Can you explain that? Well, um, again, uh, dealing with them directly, um, they uh, do they have the propensity for violence? Yeah, they do. Um, they do when they get into a group, when they're in a, uh, when they're there to support each other. Generally speaking, their groups are small. Their numbers are small. They'll, uh, when they have their meetings and they'll get riled up, um, they'll commit a race crime, um, which will involve violence, but, um, they, they don't generally go out and do mass killings. That's, it's just not what they do. They're, they, uh, they they're loud and screaming, but uh, they uh, they mostly do a lot of noise and don't take uh, so much action. Again, because their numbers are not as uh, as prevalent as maybe people realize. And that's what I want to talk to you about too. And I know you mentioned the new Black Panther Party. Um, 
the threat. So you you still have friends in the bureau. Uh, the threat of white supremacy. The media and the Democrats are making it out as if it's the biggest threat that there is today. Biggest threat in America: white supremacy. Um, again, I'm sure there are bad ones, but how big of a threat is white supremacy right now? Well, well, um, the, the agents I've talked to recently said that they're you know they just indicted five again to go back to sovereign citizens, which is probably. Uh, the number one national priority, um, but uh, potentially not the number one priority, depending on what field office you're in. In this particular case, this was an East Coast field office, and uh, sovereign citizens, he, and he was able to uh, indict and convict five of them, but on financial crimes. Um, and I asked him point blank if they were the number one priority, and he said, uh, he said, no, actually, in our field office, the new Black Panther Party is a... Uh, is the number one priority. Wow. So the new Black Panther Party, uh, and a couple of things about that. So the new Black Panther Party is more of a priority than threats of Islamic terrorism? I guess it depends, because we just had an arrest here in Tucson. No, this is the, this is the domestic side. Oh, okay. You've okay. got, on a joint terrorism task force, you'll have multiple squads working the international cases. This would be the domestic uh, terrorism unit that only focuses on domestic terrorists. Do you think that, and by the way, again, this is Stephen Hooper, uh, retired FBI agent, 30 years on the job there, also Secret Service. Uh, he's uh, is a, is a, an expert when it comes to security. TripwireSecuritySolutions.com is his website. Um, when it comes to, uh, I mean, I'm just looking up right now, really quick, there was a quote from the Homeland Security Secretary today. He said, uh, we need uh, to investigate more domestic terrorism. Do you feel like they're just leaving it at that terminology? Politicians, even the head of Homeland Security, because they were afraid to say the new Black Party Panther is the biggest threat because they don't want to be called racist. Well, uh, the the you know what the bureau is dealing with, what the government's dealing with now, there's a big push to okay. So understand on domestic terrorism, if the, even if this shooter was charged with a uh, was was charged as a domestic terrorist. Uh, even though he's not connected to a group, in the aftermath, if there's enough enough push to have him labeled domestic terrorist, he still would be charged with murder and gun violations and whatever state and local crimes um, and maybe some federal gun charges. But there is no federal domestic terrorism charge. There's no domestic terrorism violation. And what that would impact is, on the front end, it would impact the tools, that so if 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 these uh, types of if 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 this guy is identified beforehand and he's raised on the radar and he's put onto the uh, FBI's domestic terrorism watch uh, by their unit their squad, then what tools are they going to be allowed to use to investigate him? Are they going to be allowed to use terrorism tools? And on the back end, it would affect sentencing. So if he's charged with murder for killing all these people, um, would the fact that he's now designated a domestic terrorist, it's like a hate crime, gets enhanced sentencing, it only impacts the sentencing. So for all the murders, he gets life in prison, but since he's a domestic terrorist, he may get the death penalty, Mm. just as an example. So uh, what the discussion is about now is, do we make domestic terrorism a federal violation for acts like this. That's the discussion that's going on now. 
Uh, do you think they should? Uh, your opinion. And then on top of that, I want to follow up really quick with just another group also, Antifa. I mean, they commit violence all over the place. They're out of control. They're unruly. Should they be considered either in your expertise as a domestic terrorist group? I I do. I have. I would have no problem labeling them because they are. If they fit the they fit the criteria for uh, 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 terrorist acts, and they're trying to influence the government. They're trying to influence uh, and spread ideology. I mean, they fit the they fit the definition. So I would have no problem with that. And that's what you have to look at. In my opinion, um, I think uh, establishing a federal crime and calling someone a domestic terrorist, that's a, that's a tough call because, again, it, it will impact uh, uh, sentencing. So maybe that's where a benefit comes. Is, but a lot of times the designation will come after the act. Um, it would be hard to find a, uh, a single person out there that uh, comes up on the FBI's radar, a police radar, that they're going to call and say, we want to label this guy a terrorist. Uh, again, uh, the, the way the Bureau side works is they have to support and uh, otherwise uh, participate with a established domestic terrorist organization. It's the same on the other side. When, a, uh, when somebody on, in the U.S., um, starts to fund, send money to ISIS and support the ISIS ideology. That connection to an established international terrorist organization makes them, uh, you, you can now label them a terrorist. Okay, very interesting. Stephen Hooper is who you're listening to. You would have to. to do the same thing on the domestic side. Okay. It's interesting to hear all this stuff. Stephen Hooper is who you're listening to. TripWireSecuritySolutions.com, retired FBI agent, Secret Service as well. Um, your, your, uh, your bio says that uh, you are a uh, certified protection professional, CPP, gold standard. You're, you're, you know everything when it comes to physical and personal security. So I'm just curious, with your knowledge and background, um, I mean, immediately there are the emotional ones that say, ban all guns after this. But in your, exp- you know, in your expertise, looking at this, uh, what could be done in your mind? I mean, I don't like red flag laws because I don't want to you know, take people's rights away without them breaking the law. Um, I look at this Dayton situation. If his family would have done what they should have done and gotten him help, if he tried to buy a gun legally, I mean, who knows if he'd lie or not, but there's there's something on the ATF form that says, have you ever been, and I have it in front of me, basically, have you ever been uh, basically, I guess, described by a doctor as mentally ill, you check yes, and that would stop you from legally buying a firearm. What do you think can be done to stop these kinds of, these kinds of uh, crazy people from getting their hands on firearms? Well, here's so we're uh, our company's Tripwire, and and uh, the the bureau uses a, what's called the Tripwire program. It was established after 9/11 because remember the whole mentality of the FBI and the federal government with the establishment of the Patriot Act and and deep, frankly, the the whole Department of Homeland Security was to prevent the next attack. It, it was no longer acceptable uh, to the American people to respond have a great response after it happens. It was now the expectations were changed and the FBI was uh, redesigned to prevent the next attack. Well, I, I think that and we're, we're taking that same concept to small businesses and to schools and uh, the idea of preventing it from happening and not uh, most places are 
you know, building bigger doors and locks and arming teachers and putting police officers on. And that's great. That's great. I'm not saying don't do that. Um, but what they're preparing for is when it happens. And, uh, you know, they, to, God bless the cops. You know, I was a police. I started out as a police officer in a small town, and, and God bless what they do. And, and they, you know, the guys in Dayton showed up within a minute and took the guy out and saved lives. But is that acceptable? You know, only five were dead. Okay, is that is that the limit now? Um, so I believe there's ways to put tripwires in place to prevent it from happening, and that's use identifying concerning behaviors. People see it. The, the students, high school teachers see the students that are uh, acting out. Document it. That way you can share the information. What you see in the, what the gym teacher sees the kid doing in the gym may not be communicated to the math teacher that saw the same type of behavior. And so you got to document it so that information's shared, and now you're starting to paint a picture. So, so this, then you this can kid, engage, yeah. Then you can engage the student or the student's family or somebody to find out what's going on. Yeah. Is there a divorce going on at home? You know, did a, did a pet just die? Something that's, that's causing this person to, is he being bullied? Is, is something going on that's causing this? So where do you think the ball was dropped? Because because this this uh, this Dayton killer, uh, you know, had a kill list and a rape list, and in high right. school was suspended yeah, for it. And if you go back and read these stories now, they know about this 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 crazy stuff he did for ten years. So I mean, I guess I look at this: the ball was dropped by the family, by the school, by local law enforcement. There, maybe the tools weren't in place. It reminds me of what happened in yeah, Parkland, they- you know. Right, and this this every time there's a an incident like this. At the end, the same thing happened. I was watching the interviews uh, this morning, and it was this uh, student saying, you know, essentially, yep, I knew this was going to happen. Yep, he hated girls. The, the Dayton kid, he hated girls. Yep. He had a hit list. He, you know, we were afraid of him in class. And I, I, what, the teachers didn't see this? Of course the teachers saw it. And so did they document it? Did they share it? Did they engage the kid? Did they engage the family? Did they notify people? Did they did, did they bring the police in? Did they bring in a counselor? What did they do? And finally, did what did they take action? Did they make any moves that would uh, could have prevented this? So, do they make, maybe in the future uh, they they get all this information? Uh, the the police, maybe local FBI agents, whatever it is, they take it all and they go to a judge and go, "This person has done all these things: kill list, rape list, this threat, that threat." I think we should institutionalize him for 72 hours that way if they ever try to buy a firearm uh there's that question right there's that question on the on the atf on on the the firearms transaction record it's 11 f have you ever been adjudicated as mental defective or have you ever been committed to a mental institution they have to check yes and if they do that they're stopped from buying firearms legally right right and and you know the the, and so then worlds collide yeah because um, so a criminal background check is done by the, uh, the, uh, the gun store and uh, the gun dealer, and there's a one-check block on there. But can they get access to medical records to see what this is about? You know, can you ask, uh, have you ever taken, I don't know, Prozac? Have you ever taken antidepressants? And, and does that count? And where do the HIPAA rules yeah, come in, the yeah. uh, Healthcare Privacy Act? Where do they come in? Where does that world collide? So there's, there's a lot to iron out before you can get there. I mean, it's, everyone's got these great ideas. Um, but there, uh, um, my opinion, there's no one step yeah. or ten steps that you can take that you can say, good, now that we have these in place, this will never happen again. 
it's it's just that it's 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 impossible to try to go down that road. Um, and yeah. uh, it's 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 unfortunate, but there are certainly more steps. And what we do is we train on crisis management. We train how to establish an action group inside a school, inside a business, where someone owns it. Our 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 mantra is own the threat. That's the problem at the school. When the student is a problem, everyone's like, yeah, he's a problem. Okay, let's move on. We know he's a problem, but, you know, we'll deal with it. And nobody yeah. does. And okay. nobody does. And nobody does because no one owns it. No one takes control of it. No one says, okay, put our plan in place to prevent this from happening. And that's what that's what schools need to do. That's what businesses need to do. I know I've kept you a long Take time. Work. Yeah, it, it's good. I, I just have two more quick things. Stephen Hooper who you're listening to. Again, his website, TripWireSecuritySolutions.com. Maybe he can help your school, uh, your business uh, get prepared and, and just because you never know. Um, we were talking yesterday, reading the manifesto, you made a great point. You said that you think that uh, the Democrats set this, set this guy off, um, the one in El Paso, because he wrote in it, and I didn't put two and two together, but that's why you're an FBI agent, I'm just a radio monkey. Uh, America will soon be a, become a one-party state. The Democrat Party will own America, and they know it. They've already begun the transition by pandering heavily to the Hispanic voting bloc. In the first Democratic debate, they intend to use open borders, free health care for illegal citizenship, and more to enact a political coup by importing more, then legalizing millions of new voters. So it's pointed out, the first Democratic debate, and you're the only one that I've heard actually make that point. Why? How can you blame Trump when the guy actually, in his own words, said the first Democratic debate is what set him off? Yeah, uh, you know, it's... It's it's ironic that a lot of these politicians say words have consequences. Well, so does, you know, frankly, raising your hand in a debate saying you're willing to give uh, free stuff to non-citizens. And it's, it's you know, regardless of whether you uh, you're support that or don't support it, the people who don't support it, they're listening, and they heard that, and he heard that. So... Did, did that play into it? Apparently, in his manifesto, it did. So everyone can throw all these things around as to who caused it and who did. He caused it. He's the person. But uh, um, I think we just need to be careful as to the finger-pointing uh, for whatever political purpose, uh, because, uh, you know, it it could be that uh, it could come back to, to, to bite you. Yeah. And last one. Do you ever hear of this guy, Frank Figliuzzi, former assistant director for the counterintelligence of the FBI? Uh, I don't yeah, know if you ever, I know Frank. Yeah. Have you ever worked with him? Um, we we were uh, yeah we were at headquarters together. Okay. Did you hear what he said? I want I have the soundbite. Um, apparently, yeah. he thinks yeah. I want to play it for people to hear it. I want you to react to this. This is what he said. NBC, he's now an NBC News national security analyst. Listen, listen to this. Here we go. We have to understand the adversary and the threat we're dealing with. And if we don't understand how they think, we'll never understand how to counter them. So it's a little things and language and messaging that matters. The president said that we will fly our flags at half mast until August 8th. That's 8-8. Now, I'm not going to imply that he did this deliberately, but I am using it as an example of the ignorance of the adversary that's being demonstrated by the White House. The numbers 8-8 eight, eight are very significant in neo-Nazi and white supremacy movement. Why? Because the letter H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. And to them, the numbers 8-8 eight, eight together stand for Heil 
Hitler. So we're going to be raising the flag back up uh, at dusk on 8-8. No one's thinking about this. No one's no one's giving him the advice, or he's rejecting the advice. So, and, and then it cra- so now this guy used to be the assistant counterintelligence uh, uh, director at the FBI. Now he's on a major network, and he's saying that Trump is trying to do something to pander to to white supremacists again. Incredible. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Um, it's unfortunate, but, uh, yeah, uh, I completely disagree with that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I, it's embarrassing. That's when yeah. people lose faith, you know? You see what happened with the Russia hoax, and then they go, guys like this were up in, in the big decision-making parts of the FBI? Jeez. And that's... You know, it's and you say, what the hell's going on here? There's great people and there's people like this and people like uh, Stroke. So it's just it's frustrating. Um, Stephen yeah. Hooper, man, a TripwireSecuritySolutions dot com. I really appreciate all the expertise and all the explanations and everything you gave uh, this morning. And I'll definitely be in touch. Thank you very much, sir. All right, Garrett. No problem. Thank take, you. Take care. Eight thirty two. We'll continue on KNST.